Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. It's the last buzzcast of the 2018 uh, calendar year. Um, we're here with Howdy, folks. Happy Hi, Friday. Oops. Somebody's. somebody's <laughs> we're all right. Kind of saying twice. All right. You're not with flying colors. That's on me. Well, it's the chat room. I had to get the chat room going. Oh, okay. Uh, Peter, start us off on the pre-show. Russ has got something too. So, you know, you wake up in the morning and you do your Twitter scan and you see what kind of news is breaking. And well, I just came across one from Sesame Street (laughs) where it apparently has Grover dropping an F-bomb. And I'm going to play it for you because it's quite incredible. I think Grover drops an F-bomb. And it's pretty funny. So this is a great way to 2018. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Hang on just a sec. We'll get it run. <laughs> I mean, it's clear as day. Is it unedited? That's the question. I couldn't hear. I couldn't quite. Which one? I couldn't quite hear it. No, I could hear it. I could hear it's it. Bleep, it was, it's bleeping Christmas or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a bleep and excellent idea. Like it's <laughs> what is the pe- is the People's Television Network? Yeah, I mean, I think if they're if Sesame Street's going to add a homeless character, I don't know what Oscar the Grouch was for all these years, but but you know, at least they're going to add some add some realism to how people talk. That's great. Well, Oscar I mean, the Grouch was on furlough, Peter. It's different. We can't get into that right now. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait to see the bleep and Cookie Monster. Okay, uh, Ross, go oh, ahead. Yeah. So yesterday when I was scanning Twitter, I saw Steve Phillips, <laughs> former GM of the Mets, and he was actually kissing up to the Wilpons. Now, granted, he hasn't been in the fold in the Mets for a very long time. He's been actually doing TSN more than anything, I think. Yeah. And and he's it's doing, weird. He's because also doing MLB like radio at times, Russ. Right, and MLB radio. And it's almost like he's been sort of banished from the GM world. And look, he has his own checkered history, but he was an okay GM. But here was the his here was the thing. He was basically saying the crux of it was we should feel bad for the Wilpons because of the Madoff situation. And what I and you know, and he and I pointed out to him that not only did they negotiate the settlement down to 58 million. But in 2016, they made 167 million and 80 something of that, 82 of it was clear just that one year that they made the World Series. So nobody should ever feel bad for for the Wilpons. And it's funny because he got an avalanche of negative posts after that. And that wasn't even the only post. Apparently, there was a second one and I couldn't even bring myself to read the second one. Well, I mean, he probably sees that Omar Minaya had a part a part in the in the Mets management last year. Maybe he thinks the Wolpons will bring him back, give him a job. Well, well Matt Kalman addressed that. Matt Kalman, who writes for the uh, he writes out in Boston, covers the Bruins. He basically said, uh, "Steve, the Mets just hired a new GM, and he's an agent, specifically an agent with no experience. An agent, and he's what he said, an agent with no experience yeah. doesn't seem like they have room for you right now." 
<laughs> and honestly, given what I've seen out of Al Wagner, I, I don't have a problem with hiring. And he's actually brought in a lot of talented guys on the staff. That, that it's the too early for me to say that he has brought but in some brought, players, but he's, but he's upgraded the talent. I mean, the team had no analytics department. At least he's brought guys in that know analytics. I mean, kicking. We'll see. I mean, I'm not even going because we don't know. Here, here's right. the funny thing. On paper, it's, it's better. Right. Okay. Uh, we don't know yeah. what the medicals are. Or we don't know what risks they're taking. We don't know. So I, I'm not signing off on anything. And I'm so. And I'm sorry if you're coming to bat for the for a, a, a bunch of cheapskate, you know what's like the Will Ponds. And I'm sorry. I know that they, they pale in comparison to the you know the big buck Yankees in New York City. But the, the Mets fans have a reason to complain. It's just like Sabres fans under Tom Golisano. He was the cheapest billionaire in the world. They yeah. can thank him for taking the team out of receivership or bankruptcy when the Regus has owned it. But then he didn't spend any money. And those were the years when they had chances to win the Stanley Cup. And they penny-pinched. And Darcy Regeer, you know, didn't have any money to, to add one extra player that might have improved their playoff chances. So, I, you know, I'm sorry. Steve Phillips, you, you make me oh, sad. We don't have a long enough show for me to get into my view on Wilpon, and, and Russ very well knows my view on this. We've had lots of conversations on this one. So I, I am far from a fan. Uh, I've basically viewed that they've used the Madoff situation as a crutch for way too many years. Yes, and if, they, and if the, the team, the fans have proven that if they spend money and they have a winning product, the place will be packed. Look at 2015. That place was completely packed every right. night the last couple of months of the season. All right, let's get the show started. Um, let's see. What's the order here? Anthony and Jan then Peter, then Russ. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, December 28th, 2018. I'm Anthony Magione from Sunrise Philly Magazine. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Peter Tessie in Winnipeg. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. We had a bunch of games last night, first game, first set of games since the Christmas break. I think that I can speak for all of us that we're glad that the, the hockey was back, although we, you know, we had our, our uh, Jones uh, satisfied a bit by the World Juniors on, on Boxing Day. But, uh, you know, want the NHL back. And I, have to, I just have to say, when the All-Star break comes, that's the, that's the worst thing about the All-Star break is the fact that there aren't any games going on and all we have to watch is that sort of – you know, meaningless couple days of uh, happy, happy horse. What do you crap. do to fill the time, the hours in those days, Mike? What do you do? I go to see movies, Russ. I'm oh, going to go okay. see Aquaman. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll start off with a game. I think uh, I, I checked in on. I'm sure you guys, uh, uh, Anthony and Russ, watched. It was the Lightning and the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, a 6-5 overtime win for the Lightning. The Lightning, who are now 15-1-1 in their last 17 games. Well, let's start with the Flyers. Um, again, six goals. Now it was Neuvirth in that, correct? Yes. It was not, yeah. yes. Yeah. So they. So they. <laughs> Uh, Scott Gordon at least saved Carter Hart from the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. not the embarrassment, but the getting pummeled by the one of the league's best offenses. But, you know, I mean, I just I look at I look at the Flyers and what I saw in some of the goals, and it's not just the goaltending; it's the defense. The defense is playing terribly. Yeah, I will say this though: Ivan Provorov had a good game. I listened to about half and and watched half. I thought he had a good game. Once again, though, Shane Gossespierre in overtime, he shouldn't be out in overtime anymore. I wouldn't even use him. Like, he is just a, a detriment out there. And that part I was listening to on the radio, and the minute I heard, I heard them say, 
Shane Gossespierre is the puck. Whoops. I knew it was going in the net. Like, you just knew it. Well, the turnover was on Giroux. Okay. You have to keep in mind that turnover was on Claude Giroux. He 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 said it himself, obviously that it, okay. the, the turnover was on him. And we know the reason why Goss's Bear is going to remain out there again. If the Flyers are going to try to have a quick strike situation uh, to try to it, to try to bag a game in overtime, you know Goss's Bear shot is one of the best weapons that they have on the team. It's just in terms of in a three on three situation. With more open ice in theory, it should be a, a situation that he should flourish in because he's such a good skater. But his instincts of late have been certainly uh, on the questionable side. Yeah. It's a weird thing this game, Mike. Um, the fact that I didn't think Philadelphia played that, despite them falling behind by a substantial amount. Right. I didn't think they played that badly. And then, the, it, it, as crazy as it sounds, based on 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 the scoring situations. It's just the lightning overwhelm you with, That's you know, true. you're going to say Claude Giroux is, is the game-breaking talent that he is. And we all saw, obviously saw the goal. I mean, literally with, with the, the idea of doing a stick, lifting uh, Ryan McDonough's stick on, at, on a break. Right. But he's got multiple players that can do what Giroux does. So, right. you know, most circumstances are going to overwhelm you. And it, it seems like Tampa kind of lets go of the gas and Philadelphia took – that opportunity in basically in a seven minute spam. And they've done this before. It happened earlier this season under Dave Hackett, where they're down five, one rally to make it five, five before losing. Before you know what the counterpoint is to that? And I agree with you. And actually Kucherov was maybe had the best performance I've seen of any player in weeks. He was unstoppable. And if he didn't hit the post and the outside of the net a couple times, he just scored more, mm-hmm. but I don't think that was on the flyers defense. That was just Kucherov just being that good. But but what, what you're saying about what they have as far as firepower, that's where I shoot at Jake Voracek because that's what he is supposed to be. No, I concur there. That's the and, thing. And that's they, where they should they be able to match that. Absolutely. Jake, they need more out of at this point right now. They need him to be, you know, that, you know, Robin to uh, to Giroux's Batman in this yes. case. They need that. They need that. Um, they certainly suffered, I think, not having – strangely enough, the effect of Nolan Patrick being out for a good, you know for the remainder of the game, and they played better, which tells you a lot about Nolan's struggles here in year two yeah. Uh, yeah. as much as anything, that they actually played better with him out with him out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's That's the circumstance there. Yes, Mike, absolutely. Defensively, man for man, of course they're not on the, on the level. Donna had a rough game. He didn't have a good game. But everybody did. I mean, certainly yeah. in the third quarter. Had a, absolutely had a rough game in the third, and Tampa's kind of. Sure that if, they if they don't, if they don't play lockdown, they are open. Uh, they can be very much had defensively if you yeah. have well you know, the well, capability of taking of taking it to them. Let me let me go to that point, and Jan and Peter, you can talk about this. Um, I mean, you're right. The big guys, the big guns, came out for Tampa. Kucherov with a goal, Point with a goal, Stamkos with two. Stamkos had 16 goals in the month of December, if you can believe me. It was his most successful month of his NHL career. The point is that, and I look at Tampa, and right now Tampa's eight points ahead of Toronto. They're leading the league. I think they have 60 points. I think it's 60 points, but I'm, I'm not 100%. They, sure. they just cracked 60 last night, yeah. Okay, so so they have 60 points, and you know the Leafs are second in the league, and they're, and they're eight points behind them. But the thing I look at Tampa, and Jan, you first, because there's a lot of ex-Rangers there. They have guys like McDonough. They have guys 
uh, like Girardi who can play a shutdown game. So I think that right now against a team like the Flyers who, who are defensively challenged, they can open the throttle wide up and try to score as many goals. But when you get to the playoffs, I think they can play that other game that is successful in the playoffs. And that's where, like, for myself, I don't know if Toronto can play that game. But what do you think of Tampa right now? I mean, they're, they're a whole team. I mean, we, we discussed last week Toronto, what we thought they needed, and we felt that Toronto needed more of a physical shutdown kind of D-man and also needed a uh, third, fourth liner uh, mm-hmm. to fully round out that roster. You look at Tampa Bay, and it's kind of hard to find any flaws on that roster. Um, granted, you have to worry about the the usage associated with some of the D-men as they get a little older, especially Girardi and even McDonough to a certain extent. But after all the struggles that McDonough had last year, he's really rebounded. And the one benefit of some of the injuries that some of the guys have had, you look at Hedman has missed some time, you look at Strawman has missed some time. What it does, it's given them at least a little bit of an opportunity to get refreshed and not end up playing a full season. But that team is kind of loaded, and the guy who got hot, Matthew Joseph, is still out, and he's on injured reserve. Vasilevsky, he wore down last year while you have Domingue. Domingue played fairly well when he when Vasilevsky was down. And because Vasilevsky won't have to be overused, the belief and the expectation is he's be much better conditioned for the stretch run, making Tampa a much more difficult opponent as we get towards playoff time and into the postseason. But this is a team that's got everything. I and mean, you got offense. You, I mean, you talked about it. Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Johnson, Palat, Gordy. I mean, you look at Kalorn and Sorelli. Sorelli's a really good third-line center who can score a little bit. You can plug in Paquette. You plug in Callahan on your fourth line. It's it's hard to see if Tampa's going to even really need to make any moves. Maybe around the edges come the trade deadline on February twenty fifth. But John, they do. Maybe yeah. maybe one more D man. But they're pretty loaded. And Sergachev hasn't had a particularly good year. If he hey. ever starts to play like he did last year, that's going to be a really good team. That was another point, and um, I couldn't tell from listening in the car. Did Serge? I'm sorry, Peter. Did Sergachev ever come back in that game after the blocks? Good question. I, you know, I'm. I, I'm going to say I, no. I don't. I don't, I don't think, think so. Did just yeah. my that hurt them a little bit? Yeah, yeah that thins them out certainly with, at a five man unit. But again, man for man, and they could drop one of their forwards back a little bit. Still, to give up that many goals in that short period of time. Peter, yeah, I, I, I happen. I think. I think one of the things that people underestimate too is is that you can't as complete a team as Tampa is. You can't always play complete hockey a hundred percent of the time, yeah. and and I think the other thing we also we we've we've crapped on the Flyers enough here for a while. I, I also think people grossly underestimate what the Flyers can be when they're clicking and when they get their offense rolling. There's a lot of good players on the Flyers who can put the puck in the net. Let's use a great cliche like that. Like, you know, so they got it going. Tampa took the foot off the gas and Philly came back and, and, and credit to Philly. I mean, it made it a fun game, but I mean, Tampa as a whole, when they get it going, there is locked down a team. But the one thing that's interesting is if you if they don't keep it going well, teams that have some pace and some scoring can sneak up on them. Calgary's done it, Winnipeg's done it, and last night Philadelphia did it. Like they can keep like teams that have scoring can keep pace with Tampa. Then it becomes a shootout. It right. doesn't become a three two game or a two one game. It becomes a shootout. So that's probably the one thing that I think they're got to be a little nervous about going to the playoffs because the last thing they need is to have your playoff run turning into shootouts every night where you have to outscore each other by guaranteeing five goals a night. And that's probably where if you're you're Cooper and 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 you're thinking about the team, you know, you've got to find a bit of a solution to that because that's not a success that's going to take you through the playoffs. 
Yeah, yeah and, and most people think the the game before the break uh, against Toronto that that the Toronto outplayed them, but Vasilevsky was was yeah. in that game. And that's the thing; it's like when you're not playing at you know hitting on all eight cylinders, you've got a world class goaltender back there who can steal you a game. So, I mean, that's an advantage that they have that some other teams don't. So, um, yeah, all right, one, one, thing, more, I mean, one more. thing Michael add is that you, you look at it. I'm sure Cooper wasn't happy with the blown five two lead in the play also. Yeah. Well, so that that's a mark of a team that's thinking longer term rather than just the game to game because the, the blowing of five to lead is not something that's going to sit well in that locker room. That's yeah. Right. Uh, one last thing about the Flyers, and um, I'll see how Anthony responds. But their playoff chances are still like it's eighteen percent, even on this nice little run. By the time Chuck Fletcher makes a move, he might be making moves for for next year. Like, and he may not admit that right now, but he already may be looking that way because it's going to be near impossible for them to to get back in it really the playoff chances are zero percent i don't care what the, the, the i the, said zero percent one year mike and they got it on the last day but a lot it's too as, as the way the metro's been this year i'm sorry i can't go completely to zero percent on it but again there's some things they have to make sure are tightened up and they, they need help in front of them at the end of the day they need some teams in front of the slide and they need to go on they need to go on a tear they their margin for error is pretty much nil at this point when you're only at 18%, as Russ stated. Right. And you add to the mix there the fact that, you know, their, their mindset is that they're going to make the playoffs. They've, their playoffs have already started in December. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the Ranger game in a sec, Russ. Um, but I want to go to this one first because after the Ken Hitchcock bump, uh, the Oilers have come down to earth. Now they lose 4-2 to the Canucks la last night. Canucks score four first-period goals, and they coast to a 4-2 victory. Um, this is the thing. they've Now Edmonton's lost four in a row. They're not getting stand-on-your-head goaltending from uh, Koskinen or, or Talbot. Things have sort of settled back after that initial rush, and now that team, as, as we saw with Todd McClellan, the defense isn't good. They're without cleft bomb, and the offense is named Connor McDavid and nobody else. So yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know, Peter. I'll start with you. I don't know where all this enthusiasm. I mean, I know they're still in a wild card spot, right? And at least the last time I looked, I think they were like one or two points up uh, for the wild card spot. I don't know if it, it's easier said than done to neutralize McDavid. But if you can control McDavid, they have nothing else. It's, I, I think the understanding of what Ken Hitchcock can do. Ken Hitchcock's a good coach. He's a yeah. good hockey mind. Um, I think Ken Hitchcock, what he wants players to do in his systems, you need more than him coming in to be a savior. He needs to start with the team in July, not in November and think right. you can change it around. They got their bump. But that roster is so fundamentally flawed on so many ways. Yes. And, I mean, I hope Todd McClellan's just sitting back and going, sorry, Hitch, you're learning what I am now, too. And he sent him a kind text. He's kicking up his feet and smoking a cigar, basically, enjoying his salary. It, it, there's, so much, there's so many things that are wrong with it. And I, I don't think Peter Chiarelli has the ability to get himself out of this by making roster changes for two reasons. One, because I don't think he understands what he has to do. I don't think he understands the makeup of the team, the players he needs. And two, because I don't think he's capable 
of digging himself out of the hole of the contracts he's signed that's put himself in. So he's he 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 can't he can't see what he needs to see. And if he does see it, he's got to make some really tough choices to an owner who's not exactly known for um spending money in in, in on things that he, he doesn't want to and convince them that maybe you got to buy someone out, Milan Lucic maybe, and and move on from that. And oh. and that's just, you know, I see a fair bit of Edmonton. Um, it, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a jigsaw puzzle that's been made, but you had a blindfold on and you've squished pieces into spots to make it fit. And you think, well, it's close enough. Yeah, and one of the one of their good stories, uh, Alex Chason got hurt last night. And he was playing on the wing with McDavid, so I don't know if it's a serious injury, but yeah. he left the game and didn't return. So if he is out for a while, you know that's one. You know the, the, the funny thing is that team has should have so much offensive talent, but most of it at that center, and they don't have any complimentary guys on the but wing. But they still don't have patience. Like they are keeping Jesse Puyarvi in there. Uh, the addition of Tyratty has been a disaster. Four points in 21 games, and he's a minus. Right. That's a disaster. I didn't have any faith in that working out. Patrick Maroon brought more to the table than Tyratty. We have to give him credit for that. Tyratty was this guy that's been drifting around, that, that caught fire in the preseason, and that's what the preseason is good for because nobody plays the right way. Well, the other no, thing, he, played, might... he played eight games at the end of the season and played really well, so they used yeah. that as the preview. Yeah, that was the springboard. No patience in Kaylor Yamamoto either. And if they had patience for him, they would eventually get a return. But they don't have any patience. It's like when you took when Hitch took over, it's like when now I'm going to play these big guys, I'm going to shake up the goaltending situation, and it worked for a short term, and now you just don't know. Uh, I mean, Ross, I think I think what what's Mike mentioned also, losing Clefbaum has been a bigger loss. Oh, it's, it's big, but you again. What, what it's forced to happen is Nurse, who was actually starting playing pretty well, has mightily struggled moving up a level in terms of who he's matched up and, against. Now. And I and so I that, said that, that he's. Major, I mean, Koskinen hasn't played well. That's a huge impact. You get Clefbaum back, move Nurse down a line in terms of who he matches up against. Now all of a sudden, your defense is a lot more spread out. Well, Offensively, they, Nugent Hopkins, I think's had a pretty good year. Um, Chase Sun's been relatively decent, but they're going to they're going to probably never find anybody that's going to match up with McDavid unless they just leave Puju Jarvi there and say, you know what. We're giving you a 10-game stretch, and let's see what you can do, and we're not taking you off and see if they can rebuild his confidence because yeah, you've got none right now. Thing. I brought up a solution when the injury occurred because I knew Nurse can't take a step up. I knew that. Play Connor McDavid at the point on the power play. That's your solution, but Hitch won't do it because he's not that kind of coach. Right, and and you know the other defensemen on, the, on that blue line, like Larson, aren't capable of stepping up to take over the responsibilities of Clefbaum. I mean, I, I mean, that's a guy who's a 25 minute a night defenseman. So they really don't have the depth on the blue line to be able to compensate for that. And also, you know, the, the Canucks are sticking around 40 points. Now they move ahead of Edmonton. If you look at the wild card standings right now, Anaheim 43, Dallas 41 with their win yesterday over <clears throat> Nashville, uh, uh, Vancouver at 40 and Edmonton at 39. I mean, you may go down to the, to the to the very end, but if, unless Shirelli makes some sort of deal that improves them, I just don't see Edmonton being able to, to make the playoffs unless Connor McDavid just is you know unless he he unless he scores two points a game from now until the end of the season. But anyway. well, Elias Pettersson got two points. We should point that out. Yeah, sure, mm -hmm. sure. Okay, um, 
Columbus and the Rangers. Now, I didn't see any of the game, but I did see there was some crosstalk regarding a disputed goal near the end of the game, and then uh, I believe it was Pierre Dubois scored in overtime. Uh, Russ, what were you? I, did, I didn't see that. I saw about half the game. I and and I'm glad that Chris Carter was playing well. He had a couple goals. There were a lot of Ranger fans that wanted to trade him, but I said you've got to hang in there with him because he had gotten into some bad habits under Vigneault. Vigneault used to do the breakout passes, stretch passes with him, totally took it out of his arsenal, and then he was lost for a while. But in this game, I just saw Brendan Smith pretty much play defense like he was – you know how there was the um, the clown that you used to be able to hit – You'd knock it down and come back up. You'd knock it down again. It was called like a bop something when you were a kid. That's what Brendan Smith was like. And he was just falling down in front of Henrik Lundqvist. And on one of the goals, Lundqvist just leaned on his stick and was just so angry because he almost looked at Brendan Smith. And and I I swear he was probably thinking, what did you do over the holidays? Have you even, you know, come back here with a thought of winning? And, and this is the problem with that deal. This is the problem with giving him playing time. If I were David Quinn, I would just not play Brennan Smith for a long time. That's what, That would be my solution. I don't know how Jan feels. I, I covered Smith in my blog today and basically said that I, I don't think he'll be in the game Saturday night against Nashville. I figured D'Angelo would be in even if Kevin Schattenkirk's not back. And sure, it looks like the, the run he had after they acquired him from Detroit and that playoff performance was a major aberration. And he got himself paid from it, and then he got yeah. fat the next year going to too many weddings. And while they came in camp this shape, shape this year, I really thought that he would have a reversal of fortune, and it, it just haven't happened. Because I wanted to see him in shape paired or him in Shattenkirk okay. paired and seeing what that duo, either one of those duos can do. And, and every time he finally gets to find his sea legs, as you said, he kind of falls back to reverts back to prior form, and he's been horrible this year. Yeah. Um, the other game, now, Peter, I know that you were making some comments about Noah Hannafin in our group chat. I know that uh, that uh, Dustin Bufflin hacked at Johnny Goudreau on an empty net uh, hat trick goal. But yeah. uh, tell us about that uh, Calgary-Winnipeg so, game. I think I think a little frustration came over for uh, Buff. Yeah, Goudreau just danced around him. Like, I mean, just made him look flat-footed and silly. But the game was sort of done at that point. Um you know, the Jets and Flames played a really tight tilt. The Flames went up one nothing when Line scored on his own net. Uh, and he was doing a back check. He did all the right things. It's just right. he put a stick <clears throat> reaching in, and it went past Hellebuck. The Flames, this is a team that needs to get a little more press. And I don't have the have, – have Toronto and Calgary played yet, Mike? Uh, not that I not that I remember. No, no. I don't think so. This will be a fun one to watch because I think the dynamicism of the Flames forwards and the Leafs forwards is going to make a really fun game, really fun matchup. Yeah, that Gaudreau Monahan um, Hannafin line is something else. It's oh, I mean Lindholm, Lindholm, Lindholm. Sorry, that's a Lindholm. That's what I meant Lindholm, not Hannafin. Mm-hmm. Hannafin is playing excellent, but Lindholm, it's something else. Um, they scored a very pretty one on the wait, team. Peter. So, are you saying they got the better of that trade, Calgary? Really, is that really? what you're proclaiming here? <laughs> um, I'm not saying they got the better of the trade. Oh, they did. got robbed in a deal. No, come on. I think, um, <laughs> I, I think, I, I, I don't think, I don't think Carolina's problems can be attributed to Dougie Hamilton, right? But, um, I, 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 the adding that and Bill Peters into the mix is they they've found their groove and they're still really not getting anything out of James Neal, right? 
So this is a very interesting team and you're probably not going to hear much about them in the East. Yeah. But you know, having seen them twice now in the last month, they're for real and they're dangerous. They're yeah. very dangerous, but well, Riddick, yeah. I don't know what sorcery that guy's practicing. Mm -hmm. I don't know who he's selling his soul to, he's but he, should, he, they should find out what, pregame rituals he's doing and bring them to Philadelphia because this guy is Philadelphia right now. I'd say they should make a movie, but there was something like the Chronicles of Riddick, right? So mm -hmm. oh, oh Russ. No, that was spelled like um, yeah, excellent game. They totally deserve to win. The Jets didn't play poorly. They shelled they they controlled all the possession. They shelled them. Absolutely shelled them. It's funny because uh, I, I was reading uh, Pierre Lebrun's piece in The Athletic, and he was doing sort of like half-season awards. And when he was talking about the Norris Trophy, he had the two candidates, top candidates being Giordano in Calgary and Morgan Riley in Toronto. I think that's pretty accurate. I think there's a couple other guys yeah. out there. I think Thomas Shabbat's in the conversation too. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I do think, I, I do think Russell, we know this from previous Norris Trophy voting that these guys sort of have to earn their way up. Now, the now thing is Riley's never been in there, so you could say the same thing about him, and that maybe give, would give Giordano a leg up because he's been in the Norris running a few times before. But um, So you're saying I, a guy with 10 goals and a point per game at defense <clears throat> has to earn his way. Nonsense. Yeah, that's, that's nonsense. how it's been. I, I, mean, I know, I, but I, it's nonsense. I, I agree. And I'm telling you it's nonsense. I agree that it's nonsense, but I think it's the reality. Yeah. It could be. I mean, look, Riley will get a lot of Toronto voters, and I will stop short and just say it that way. A lot <laughs> of Toronto votes. Okay. Um, a An interesting contract was uh, signed yesterday. And, okay, again, I, I look at this, and first I'll look at it from the Pittsburgh perspective. And then around, and then sort of around the league, uh, Jake Gensel, who's played great in a couple Stanley Cup wins for for the Penguins. You know, a a petite, qu very quick, talented forward. Um, he gets a five year extension that starts next year. He's on the last year of his ELC right now. Uh, five year deal at six million AAV. Now. Anthony, I'll go to you first because Russ's cat has jumped all over the show. <laughs> taking cat. over the show. Jesus. <laughs> I'll start with you, Sans Cat. I think this I think this contract spells the end after this season of Phil Kessel in Pittsburgh. Oh, you're gonna say it's not a perfect fit there? Oh, <laughs> hang up on him, please. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, I can I concur on that front. I think we we've seen. I think if you've read the tea leaves in Pittsburgh long enough, right now, that um, I don't think Kessel's long for Pittsburgh. I think there's going to be he'll be moving elsewhere, and I think this contract I think is definitely um, an indicator of that with the uh, with with the investment that they've made now uh, in Gensel. And I think this. You know, some of it's deservedly so. Some of it, of course, obviously, he's just a really good fit, obviously, um, with um, with Crosby. I think the two of them together would work extremely well together. So uh, I think someone, I believe, might have been Sarah Sivian from uh, The Athletic said something about, does uh, Sidney Crosby's contract get an assist on uh, Jake Gensel's contract? <laughs> which he I gets a lot of assists for a lot yeah. of contracts. <laughs> for a lot of contracts. So, so did Mario. No, I mean, Stefan Richard would never have gotten the money. Yeah, I think Gensel's the guy. Certainly, the guy to invest in. Certainly, long term here. I think it's a it's 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 a fair 
value contract. And you know, Anthony, when you see that contract, there's a lot of teams that have players like just below Jake Ensel and Travis Konechny is one of them. And yeah. no, he's, 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 he's it's, it's a comparable. The difference is, is that Gensel's postseason right. performance is what, is what puts him over the top. Other players yeah. don't have his resume in the postseason. Right. And, and, you know, he had, he had 33 points in, in his rookie year in 40 games, then a full year at 48 points, 22 goals. And this year he's got 33 points in 37 games. Uh, Russ, I look at that contract and the first one that comes to mind, obviously, because I was focused on it for most of the first half of this year was the William Nylander contract. Right, and right. if you look, you know, he's making six and he's never scored 60 points and Nylander has scored 60 points twice. And, uh, you know, he's getting 6.9. This could, this deal sort of makes the Nylander deal look okay, but yeah, I, I don't it know. Look, it, it makes it look okay. If Nylander actually comes through. If Nylander yes. doesn't get it back this year, a lot of questions are going to be raised. Again, how many points does he have, Nylander? Right now, two two points in eight games. Me personally, I would already have sent him back to the AHL and said, "Well, they they can't because he, he unless he agrees yeah. to a conditioning." No, he, he would have to agree, and I would right. say, "Listen, you're going because you can't cut it right here at the NHL level, and you didn't come back." In the kind of shape we needed you to, so agree to this conditioning si assignment because you already got your deal. That's yeah, what there, I would do with him. There seems to be a charm campaign going on, Peter, between Babcock and Dubis and Nylander when it comes to. I don't think they want to openly criticize him because then the criticism will come back on them for you know negotiating until December first. You know, they're in a way, you know, they're partially responsible because they either didn't get the deal done or trade them before December 1st. And now I think they're trying to say, okay, we're winning and we're winning without Nealander in the lineup. So we'll just grin and bear it and hope he catches up. But I, I mean, with, with Gensel, I mean, he's one of those rare guys that can play with Crosby. So, I mean, that, I mean, and you look at the, the salary here. Uh, Kessel has 6.8 for another three years and he's over the age of 30. And we know that, uh, he, you know, he wears thin after a few years in any place that he's been. And, um, and Gensel now is 24 and is starting on the first year of a five year deal next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, why, why wouldn't Pittsburgh extend him? Like what, 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 in what world is Gensel not valuable to the Penguins? So, I mean, it's right. an obvious thing that was going to happen, right? I don't think this is news. I think anything that we talk about with a player that has time with Crosby, you obviously have Crosby assist. I think the idea that people can't play with Crosby, th this whole narrative is kind of an interesting thing. Let's flip is it around. Is there actually a narrative for that? Because I Well, there is. It's, it's, it, there is a, a theme that says it's difficult to play. People, media have, on the whole, yeah brought in and it reached peak in the 2010 um, Olympics was when yeah. it was peak. It's hard to play with Crosby. And, and so I think the interesting thing about that is, is let's look at it this way. It's hard to play with Crosby because he's so bloody good and that he does things. No one else does. You know what? Anyone can play with McDavid because he's not as good as Crosby. So there's your flip around on it. Well, you know, and, the flip around this too, though, and I've seen Crosby do this in game, out of game, even in locker room. He's always talking to the guys and at least telling them what he sees. 
yeah. what they can do. And maybe some guys don't like that. Maybe some guys just like the sort of coast out there, and you can't do it with Crosby. You can't do right. it with Crosby. I mean, he, he, Crosby does things that are so different than any other player, um, particularly because he's not a massive guy. He's ridiculously strong, and his hand-eye coordination at speed and in things is is off the charts. He's like a, he's like an Avenger, and and that can be really difficult to move around with. You know, so Gensel gets them and Gensel understands that. And I think for some guys who've come in, they haven't been Gensel's age to learn with him from that, that sort of that slope up. And that's probably the best part about Gensel and how he's come into Pittsburgh. Um, you know, as for Phil Kessel, well, whatever it is about Phil Kessel, there's something there. Uh, maybe he hasn't found a good hot dog vendor. Maybe, you know, he's... <laughs> You know, maybe maybe it's something else, but I didn't say it, folks. I, I wonder if Phil Kessel is going to be the guy where there's is Toronto paying any of his salary right now? One point two. One point two. I wonder if the if, if he's going to be a guy who has six teams paying for a salary by the time this contract it could starts. be. But he, you know, he's always going to produce goals. And uh, right. honestly, this is if if Kessel is truly available, and he's and and, and Rutherford's going to do something with him. I, you know, he should be on the phone with Rob Blake right now because that's well, the perfect no, I was landing saying, spot. Hey, Thomas Dundon, there's your sniper. There's the sniper you're looking for. Um, but but you know, you just just quickly, you look at the the Penguins. I mean, they're not moving Malkin or Crosby. They're 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 set for another three or four years on their contract. Kessel's not moving in season this year. He's not. No, 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 no. I'm saying this is. I'm, I'm saying that would be that would be end of this year going. Yeah, I'm saying in the in the summer. But uh, but you know, Hornquist at, at five point three, Pearson at three point seven five, Rust at three point five. I mean, they they already moved out Connor Sheary for cap reasons. If they're you know, I don't think they're going to move Gensel, so I think they're going to move Kessel. So, I mean, that, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's something. The other thing, Mike, I wanted to point out yep. about Nylander for just a hot second. He's sure. a minute 40 off his time on the ice from last year. So, clearly, the coaches they're spoon they're can't play. They're spoon-feeding him, Russ. Yeah. They're, they're limiting his ice time. They've, they've been ramping it up. I mean, I'll say this. I think that the patience is going to start to wear thin coming back from this break. You know they're playing two games in two straight days. I think what has gonna... sports science said since he, it's past the twelve days? Have they come out with a new prognosis? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I will check their Twitter feed. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm I'm not friends with sports science. Okay. Um, I'm not friends with any kind of science. Um, oh, okay. No, 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 no. Don't go there, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> um, okay, let's just touch on the World Juniors here for a second. Not Finland and Kazakhstan because that was – I watched about three seconds of that game. Um, I actually watched a bit of it. Really? And and I I thought the Kazakh goalie played really well for what was coming at him. Um, he had no defense in front of him, and he was he was getting shelled, and, and he was doing great things. Now, the, what I will say about this is you guys don't get them as often as I have to listen to. But um, if you caught the TSN feed, um, Pierre, uh, not Pierre, but um, Craig Button was doing the color. Yes. <laughs> there is no way Craig Button should be being paid to talk about hockey. I, it oh, was stop. it was just it was no, he, Russ. I know. I know what Russ, I know. What I know we have this thing called about. Craigslist up here where Craig talks about junior players. Look, I'm not saying Craig's a bad guy. He's an entertaining guy. He's good on camera. He's got a good voice. He's got a good buzz around him. But 
he shouldn't be standing there describing what's going on with hockey and and, and basically trying to map out plays. He, he well, I'd be just as bad, but I'm not being paid what Craig Button's being paid. Although I, saw, I do have the hair to match. I, you know, I've I've bumped into Craig Button a couple times at the at the draft combine and other places. He's a great guy. I really like him. Yeah. Uh, the, the the one thing yesterday, I, I saw a snippet and he was he was critiquing Rasmus Kapari of the Finns and essentially calling out his manhood because essentially. There was a Finnish defenseman who had the puck at the point, and Kapari's in front of the net, and Kapari created space to let the shot go through, and Button was critiquing him and saying, you know, you should be standing in front of the net and trying to deflect the shot. And I'm like, okay, that's his critique, but it was just – it it was done a little heavy-handed. He didn't fit the idea. Yeah. It's well, like, he, he could be over the top, but you have to give him credit. Like in the Sweden game, he pointed out when they showed Eric Brandstrom – scoring his goal before he scored his goal, how he got into position with that amazing skating at right. the, uh, at the top of the circle there. That was good. I mean, and he, I think he does more of that than what you guys are talking about, but okay. Yeah. The, the, the other game in the game that we're, I, I focused on and watched most of was, was Canada and Switzerland. Uh, it was a rather close game uh, three to two with the, with Canada winning. I think that it was actually, it was three, one until very late. Uh, Ian Scott, the Leaf draft pick, was in goal. I thought he played okay, um, but you know they're probably like like we talked about yesterday. They're going to go back to Di Pietro, and unless Di Pietro gets lit up by the Czech Republic, I think he'll probably be in there for most of the uh, most of the rest of the tournament. I, I was impressed, Russ, with Cody Glass. He looked yeah. really good, and Tim Tim Hunter. I mean, here's here's a reference that you, you and Jan will get. Tim Hunter compared Cody Glass to Jean Rattel. <laughs> um, I would slow the roll on that because in, in his era, Jean Rattel was just dynamic, and and he was like the first Ranger to score a hundred points. And it just when Cody Glass scores a hundred points, then we can go there. Let's just do that. But getting past that, I didn't see a lot of this game, but I did have this Twitter conversation after um, after Bob McKenzie posted about the defense, and and I said. Marcus Phillips, okay defenseman. Noah Dobson should not be on the third pair. He's better than that. Yeah. Noah Dobson gets a goal. Marcus Phillips, I get it. He's playing the penalty kill and he's sort of like gritty. It's like with this, it's like with the American team. There was too much Phil Kemp and too much Phil Kemp talk yeah. for the little bit of offense that he gives you and that extra grit and size. I get it. But Noah Dobson's clearly better. It's yeah. not even close. And at three-two, with about ten seconds left to go in the third period, and the face-off in, in in the Canadian zone, they had Mackenzie Entwistle, Phillips, uh, and you know you had basically four your fourth line guys and your third and and you know I, I guess they consider Phillips one of their shutdown defensive guys. Whereas I, I just think there are guys who are more talented who deserve more ice time. I I get role players. I get players playing in specific roles, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, Switzerland played a really. You know good what? Game. Ent Entwistle's fine if he's with Moon, Daltrey, and Townsend. No, I like Mackenzie Entwistle. I do. Um, but I wouldn't have him out there at the end of the game either. He is a really good greasy player, though. He is, and and he. But Phillips, this love for Phillips, I think, is going to cause problems for him. Now, again, they won the game, so I can't kill him. But I think Peter and I did have a good point. Scoring 14 goals did not do anything for them in that game. No, no. did nothing. Did no, absolutely nothing. And let's not let's not forget that that Swiss coach 
is like some Zen master that takes a little bit of Bowman and, and throws it in with some he mixes it um, up, man. He does. Yeah. He mixes it up. He's, he's great. Like I've got, that guy little, can do an interview anytime. Like a little, I've got all the time a little, in the world. We had no chance last year. Was that the same guy? Yeah. Right. Basically. And he, he, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he threw in a little Jim Mora. <laughs> yeah. Jim Mora. Um, Playoffs. You know, <laughs> he's, very you know, he's probably got a little he's Vince Lombardi in him too. But again, for all the ripping that I took, I hope Ranger fans can see what Nico Gross does for for that team. He's a good player. I never was going to say he's a superstar. He's not. He's not even going to be a star. But he's going to be a very good NHL <laughs> defenseman. And that was a good pick by by Gordy to get him because. He makes good defensive plays. Like on that team, he's covering top players. He's doing a really good job. Okay, we ready? Here goes. Here's the Swiss coach. So it's Christian Wol. It's Wolwend. Okay. Our team. I'm gonna do it in his voice. Our team played amazing. We played against one of the best teams in the tournament. It was freaking close. <laughs> but when you don't score five on five and we create a lot of scoring chances, then you can win against Canada. <laughs> Well Fantastic. done. Can we can we superimpose how we really sound next to Anthony and see if we're close? No, that's great. I heard the guy last year. It's it's pretty much it's we pretty can't touch close. that. No, can't touch this. All right, um, we'll take some questions. Please be close. Here, well, one thing though, one thing. You do kind of wonder if at some point the Swiss coach does become a coach that gets talked about for the NHL simply because last year we kind of felt like the the Swiss team, because of Nico Heischer, was great because of that. This year, you know, they have Nando Eggenbatter. He, he's he been around, right? He's the second World Juniors. He's a decent player. He hasn't had – I'm loving the fact that we had a game with a with player's name, Entwistle and Engenberger. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but Nando's a good player, but the idea is he doesn't have any stars on that team, mm-hmm. but he's coaching great. And yeah. so I kind of wonder if he's going to get a look he's at some point. With somebody. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll take some questions in the chat to end the show after this next subject. It's egg and burger. Sorry, my, my, burger, I, yeah. I got in about four thirty. Ham and egger, ham and egger. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry for an omelet now. Um, okay, little note here that I just saw, and this is sort of ominous when it comes to what will happen next summer. We we're all aware of you know that next for in in uh, that next summer the uh, opt in or opt out for the CBA comes up with both the NHLPA and with the and with the owners. Um I, I think I think it's the PA that goes first and then the owners go second. Um CSKA Moscow in the KHL acquired the rights of three notable NHLers, Sebastian Aho from the Carolina Hurricanes, not the Sebastian Aho from the Islanders, uh David Pasternak and Joe Armia to get their rights for potentially a lockout in 2020. So this is, you know, I mean, this is strategic. I mean, it's not guaranteeing that, that there is going to be a lockout, although right. I think a lot of people think it's going to be, but just hearing that, that makes, I mean, I, I still think that there's a way that they pull back from the brink. I don't think it does any either side, any good to, to end the, the CBA and, and to go, you know, adversarial. But when I hear this, I I'm thinking that, other teams are preparing for this and this might happen. So maybe we're going to see Rick Nash re- return for HC Davos before he comes back to the NHL. 
Nice. Uh, him, him and Joe Thornton will play together again. Yeah. Joe, Joe Thornton says he's going to play in Switzerland at the end of his career because his what? wife, his wife, his wife is from there. Apparently. Oh, okay. But uh, but no, I mean, I mean, when you hear this, I mean, I I don't know which where where you are in terms of do you think there's going to be a lockout or not going to be a lockout? But when you hear this, doesn't this start to make you think that the chances are greater than you thought? Yeah, they're planning for it, and and I mean, it's good league management to to sort of plan for it and and see who you might get. We don't hear any talk about it, and the fact that we don't hear any talk about it is good because we used to hear a lot of sniping even a couple of years before. We're not hearing that, so I think that's as positive a sign as I could say. <coughs> no news is good news, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm not optimistic that we're going to avoid a lockout. I'm, no, I'm I mean, nobody point. should be. But, but again, given the signs that we've seen, especially the contentiousness that went on associated with the Olympics and now even with mm. trying to get together another uh, tournament like they had a couple of years ago mm. and the difficulties they've had in trying to career craft one of those tournaments, it, it doesn't bode well in terms of what the future brings. I do wonder sometimes about, you know, whether or not, I mean, Grant, he's already in the Hall of Fame now, but I do wonder if Gary, it's in Gary, the back of Gary's head that, you know, he's already had a couple of them on his watch already. Do you want to continue to have you want to be basically yeah three sorry three, no, three. <laughs> sorry yeah, but, we'll see uh <laughs> but well, yeah it's, it's all it's all a question of what what the battle lines are going to be about i mean if it's i mean i can continue to hear the players don't like escrow well escrow is necessary Wait, for a escrow 50 or escrow because i don't like escrow no, escrow escrow not escrow <laughs> Right. They don't like escrow, Maybe but escrow is, is part is part of any uh, you know hockey related revenue 50-50 split. You really have to have an escrow situation to be able to 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 manage that. So I don't I don't see how you do away with it. I mean Kevin Kevin Allen has said that a bunch of times. So it's like I mean you can you can hate it. You, I, I think that go I think you either give them you pay them stipend for the whole year. And you re and you like basically. So if you have a five million dollar contract, you pay a flat stipend. That's okay. Let's treat let's treat them as a real union, <laughs> and huh. you all get the same. And you Wait, all so get the same. And the at the end of the year, out? hold on. In in front of the ACC, will we see that big blow up rat? If there's a a lockout situation like most unions do, yeah. No, I know exactly. And then, and then you settle up at the end of the year. So no one gets anything and it's all done. I mean, the whole nature of this thing is, is so silly because uh, the un real unfortunate thing about it is, uh, is you sort of got a position where escrow is your only answer. If you want 50, 50, which was their demand, it's your only solution. There isn't another solution. So you can't complain about the only solution just because the only solution doesn't work for you. It, yeah. it doesn't mean that you're getting taken advantage of, or it hurts you. And, and it's just, it's Here, kind of here's what I tell the players. If you don't want escrow, we're not going to have any compliance buyouts and real yeah. numbers now on the cap, the cap, whatever you get paid is what shows up on the cap. And if players don't get bought out, they don't get a chance to double dip anymore. And then some of them will have to stay with a team that they don't want to stay with. And currently, that's not happened with this other CBA. It gave them great freedom and mm -hmm. gave at least, I don't even know the number, probably about 10 players a chance to make money from two different teams. They yeah. can do away with that in a heartbeat. Look, look at it. Look, look, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think the thing that if... 
I mean, I, I know if I was sitting there as an owner, what I'd be ranting and raving about at the, at the meetings and stuff. But I think if there's one thing, if they both sides really do care about the fan experience, it's that they need to find a way to allow for more player movement within the league. The idea of trades is what makes hockey something really interesting. Mm -hmm. Football has no trades. It's it's a wash. Uh, Baseball does, uh, but it's more this year by comparison. But but in comparison, right? this year. Well, it's, I, Baseball I'm does, but it's it's not in the it's different. But I, it, know, it's Peter, a key. Com, it's a key component of what makes baseball fun. Here's well, how you right? do it, Peter. You you in hockey, you create one more roster spot for every team. And you make it a designated scorer, and that guy is your shootout specialist. Now I've created a job. There you go. Well, well that's so you just increase the skills, but it's movement, movement player, around the league. It's it's ironic around the league that allows players to move a little easier. Now they may not like it because it's stability and family and stuff like that. Sure, but sure. the idea that you get trapped in a place that you don't want to be in is the other thing. And well, and there's there's got to be. I think that's where I'd like to see a lot of energy. But that's on the player. That's tough luck for the player. You know what? I look at the player and I say, if you sign that contract, because again, I go back to certain agents like Scott Boris, there's certain agents and in hockey too, where if guys are going to go to the highest bidder and then they get stuck in a situation they don't want to be stuck in, I agree. that's on them. Take less money and play with the better team. Right, Russ, I've said this for years. I said this since lockout 1.0 is we're with salary cap 1.0. What we were going to find out is who wants the money and who wants to be on a winner. Right. Peter, it's ironic you bring this up because I was listening to another po another podcast, uh, Bill Simmons podcast, um, and he was talking about how, you know the NBA and what they're doing right now uh, in terms of social media and also in terms of like, for lack of a better term, the hot stove. You know what's going to happen next year in terms of signings and players going here or there. That almost supersedes the importance of individual games, and you know I think that that's that's a bad thing, but I do think that trades and speculation has been what drives interest in these leagues especially hockey and i think that with the salary cap that has waned a little bit it's limited general managers being able to make trades and i mean i love the trade deadline but the trade deadline the last few years has been friggin boring because teams are locked into little spaces that they can maneuver in I, yeah i want to point out something here's a list and i, I think it might be right it's from sport track of active career earnings so Sidney Crosby's number one, and, and he's the biggest winner, so he deserves that. Shea Weber's number two. He hasn't won anything yet. Joe Thornton's number three. He hasn't won anything yet. Roberto Luongo's number four. He hasn't won anything yet. Marion Gabrick's number five. He hasn't won anything yet. Then you oh, get Alex Ovechkin. 1-1. One, one, one. One with LA. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then you – that's right. I forgot he was a big part of that LA one. I take that back. Oh, he, he did No, no, he was. He was. And then, um, and then Alex Ovechkin. So – like you go and you look at these guys. Malkin's only at eighty nine million, but he wins. Spets is at eighty seven. He hasn't won. Like it's just if these guys want to make this kind of money and they don't win, sometimes it's on them and the choices they make. They also make it calculated gamble in most circumstances yeah. for the balance of the potential to win with also the salary at the same time. I mean, we're going to be saying potentially the same thing about uh, John Tavares at the least don't win. Well, right. very well, we might because he supposedly picked a place that he wanted to go win. I mean, that was right. So at the end of the day, the money. Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry won their Stanley Cup on their ELCs, and right. ever since they became seven, eight million dollar players, they didn't win. 
But Here's an example, too. Henrik Lundqvist has made $13 million less in his career than Roberto Luongo. Like, neither has won. They both made it to the Stanley Cup. Lundqvist could make more. He could have made more. It? But again, are they the specific cause why they didn't win? No, I mean, no, no. But I'm saying Lundqvist could have made more. Clearly, uh, Luongo made as much as he could make. He, he made, he's making eight and a half million dollars a year, Russ. He did not give the Rangers any kind of discount when he took his deal years ago. It was the highest paid goalie in the league. So uh, again, I'm not begrudging him at all, but I know the argument against that. And, and again, he could have made seven and a half and given them some additional cap room. All right, uh, Russ. Uh, let's look at the chat. See for a couple questions. Let's here. look at the chat. All right. Uh, all right, so Ski asks, the St. Louis Blues are 6-3-1 in the last 10. Do we see them making the same kind of trades they have in the past couple of years and unload players that won't be signed <laughs> next year? Yes, they're definitely going to do that. Yeah, yeah same, G same GM. Yeah, same, same, GM. same game plan, definitely going to do it. There's no way that's what they have to do. They're – they're not going to ever start a new rebuild, but they're going to rotate around this roster for sure. But but Doug Armstrong, and there's been reports about the Blues that he is of a mind of, you know, clearly this core group has not succeeded over the last two or three years. I think he's of – there's a potential there for them to make some sort of, you know, shifting move like a Petrangelo, like a Tarasenko, if they get the return that they need to get. I mean, so, I mean, I, I think that's possible, maybe Pareko, but I, I, you know, even though they've turned it around a little bit, they're so far behind, they're not going to climb back into the race. No. And Vepsis says, you know, Bacchus is getting a hearing today for an illegal check to Blake Coleman. What comes around goes around. I saw Blake Coleman do a pretty dirty hit on Brad Marchand that he didn't even get a penalty for because clearly it's Brad Marchand. Blake Coleman, you know, he he has a lot coming to him, so I, I don't feel bad about that at all. And, and he drinks pickle juice, so there's something wrong with the guy. <laughs> pickle juice is good, Mike. It's uh, it's got a lot of electrolytes. Al Leiter thinks so. <laughs> so the most Eagles roster in that home opener and that in that opener years ago, right? Or was That's, yeah, yeah, there. that was the Chip Kelly. Oh, that was uh, no, it wasn't Chip Kelly. That was uh, was that was Andy Reid. That goes back oh, to okay. I was back then. All right. Uh, yeah, Andy Reid ate all the pickles. <laughs> if he was only eating pickles, never mind. Esmir <laughs> says, I also believe that the league needs to do something about teams used as a dumping ground like Arizona, used by Chicago or Detroit. Good luck with that, Esmir. Yeah. That will happen until the end of yeah. the Not exactly. a freaking chance. That Please. That's the only thing that they do right. You know, it's like they – I mean – Look! Look at the look at the roster right now of the Arizona Coyotes. Marion Hosa, Dave Boland. It's like it's like one of those uh, disposal areas in the desert for old airplanes. Books now officially, right? Pronger's off the books. Pronger's off yes. the books. So so is Datsuk. Yeah. So maybe next year Terry Sawchuck will be off the books there. All right. <laughs> Last question. They might. Last question is from Thomas. With Everly gone for sure. What could the Islanders get for him in a trade? I see him going sooner rather than later. Uh, here's the thing. He second has got round, second round pick. Points. He's got 17 points in 35 games. I'm looking and, at Jordan Everly like he's peaked as a player already. So and he's a he's a six million dollar cap hit. Yeah. So that mitigates what you'll get back unless the Islanders and unless Lou and Lou's not above this. Lou could retain up to three million dollars to get more. 
If he retains that, he'll get a second round pick and some sort of prospect. And that's what, and that's value, and that's excellent value. Right, and that's what he should do. He should retain that salary. That is the best way to get a return. There's no reason for them not to retain it. And plus, also by the time the trade deadline comes, remember you only got two six of the salary left. Also, so and and yeah. and, and Ryan Bronke, what team out there needs a scoring winger? Hmm, the Edmonton Oilers. And here's I right, one Who last. You can't go home this, again. This is an interesting one. Steve James asks if Scott Mayfield will be a fit for Toronto's top four. He's not a fit for anybody's top four, but he's a really good defenseman, actually. I've covered him since the USHL, and I think he's really come around as a defenseman. But really, he's got to be a bottom-pairing guy no matter what the team. Okay, quick question. Quick question to Anthony and, and, and you, Russ. Is Radko Gudis a top-four defenseman? I mean, he could be shielded for a short time. Superior. The only way it works is if you got, I think, in most – from a true talent standpoint, is the answer is no. Right. From a, if you can, if you have three really good defensemen in front of him that are playing at peak at peak level, say Provorov and Ghost yeah. or play to their capabilities, right? Then you can potentially work that that, that situation out. So but yeah. standing right, I think now, in the playoff situation, Anthony, you could do it because it's a short time. You could in a short window, I would say so. Yeah. But again, you have to understand in terms of a long term commitment and thinking him over the long term, he can be that. The answer is. No. Okay. So you're saying, right. Let me ask a question then. Oh, when do the when do the flyers become sellers? I think sometime in the I think we get into wait till the bitter end. No, but do you think like as they go through this process, because we're talking about other teams, mm -hmm. do you think they go through January and say, No, we're gonna get the leap on this and do our moves now, or do a move or two right. now, so or do you think they wait to the deadline? Pattern if they feel like that they are not making up any ground in terms of what they've been able to do, then I think at that point, if they just look at the situation, they just even if they're winning and other teams in front of them are still doing it, then that could be where Fletcher's. Right. You know what? It's time to start putting my stamp on the team in terms of what I want to get done. I, I think but Dave Scott's if, learning. If, if they're I, taking I ground, if they think they're gaining ground. Um, then I think they're going to be that. Then those moves may be held till the off season. Yeah, I, Dave Scott is learning the hard way that it's nice to say we want to make moves, we want to make changes. It's not easy to do it and make a good trade. And yeah. is Simmons the first guy out the door? I, I think, think so. I think so. I think if he, anybody's going to get dealt first, it probably will be Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Okay. Great he'll likely get a bump wherever he goes, especially if he's in a playoff hunt. Yeah, I mean, and I said this in, in uh, something I wrote uh, a couple days ago. Everybody in Toronto would love Wayne Simmons because he provides the pushback that Toronto, I think Toronto desperately needs, and he could play in their top six. But the package that you would have to pay Philadelphia is probably close to what they would have to pay to get the defenseman that they need. I didn't say the the uh, the, the usual thing, Russ, so I, you can't drink on that one. But <laughs> but. But I think the, the 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 value they would have to give up would be a pretty close. I don't think they can do two deals like that. I think they can do one deal like that. So if they're going to go for that that blue liner, I think that's what they're going to give up assets for. All right. Uh, great show, guys. Uh, thank everybody for watching the show this year. We will be back. Uh, we won't be having a show on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, so we'll be back on Wednesday with the, the next edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. So for Anthony Mangione, for Jan Levine, for Peter Tessier. Have a very gritty year. <laughs> oh, very gritty. Uh, get that one. I didn't I'm Michael Agello. Thank Cut you for out. watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.